hey guys <laughs> it's what's up it's uh this is not just any book club um, such a hit intro i know i'm really great at it <clears throat> so <laughs> so if you don't know what this is uh every month we all read different books relating to a single topic and we come together uh, the fourth Saturday of each month to talk about them without spoiling them. Um, this month, the topic is anti-hero, um, which the the, the it's kind of self-explanatory, but it's basically Hero, not really heroic. Yeah, uh, well, that's one definition: a hero who's not really heroic in the classical sense. A hero, uh, the main character of a story who can like does bad things sometimes. Um, there's also heroes in a different sense, um, which is what my book is about. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what an anti-hero is. So, uh, I guess... Um, well, let... we do have a new member of the podcast, don't we? Yes. Introduce yourself! Oh, yes. Hello. I'm Emma Gray. Um not the other emma don't be oh, confused I'm, I'm um sorry but i read <laughs> i read the wasp factory by ian Wait, that's banks the book you read yeah <laughs> oh, <I did> not... <laughs> so we we had another emma but this is a different emma this is emma yes. gray it's different yes i know she'll come back one day i'm, I'm sure maybe okay <laughs> next person to introduce themselves is uh, Gavin and Luke who both didn't read anything. I'm Gavin. I didn't read anything this month because shame. I got busy. You can shame me all you want. Shame. Yeah, shame. I'm here for the fun because I yeah. enjoy. Because book the clubs fun. are so in right now. <laughs> yes, book clubs are the main thing right now. So yeah, and then we also have Luke here, who's also a whole bundle of fun. Right. Yeah, my name's Luke. I didn't read anything for like the past three or four months. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, we never know if he's ever going to be on here, but you know, he's here. He, he never, even when he was reading things, he never told us that he was reading something. So he's a wild card. Kinda, yeah, when we all showed up to meet, he just we just kind of waited to see if he would show up. But you know what? I always show up, and my name's Justin, and I read wow. actually two books. Wow. Well, I'm only going to be discussing one, but shout out to at. Big Girl Games 1, for guessing um, that I read The Postman, Always Rings Twice by James M. Cain, the book I'm not going to be discussing. The book I am going to be discussing is The High Window by Raymond Chandler, um, which was and it's a, it was a book that I read. I won't get to that. Just Bella. <laughs> okay, uh, my name is Bella, and I read The Picture of Dorian Gray, which some people argue it's more of a tragic hero novel, but I... You know, it's also argued that it is an anti-hero novel, and I really wanted to read it, so I just went with that. Why not both? <laughs> and uh, my name is Pierce, and I read The Stranger by Albert Camus. I also read The Myth of Sisyphus um, because uh, I thought that I had to actually understand, like, read more to understand what The Stranger was about. All right. Let's get it um, started. Yeah, so re real quick before we get started... Um, each month, uh, we, well, actually recently, we started doing the poll on Twitter, but each month we do a poll to decide what the next month's topic will be. And you can find the poll at our, um, our Twitter account, at NotJustAnyPod. Yes. 
And uh, this month, we the three categories we had people vote on were banned books, posthumous release, so a book that was released after its author had died, um, or posthumous fame, which is um, if you know someone became famous after they died. Uh, Basically vindicated by history, you know, wasn't yes. didn't shock the world at the beginning, but hey, now it's great. So now uh, we're going to jump right into our discussions. I believe Justin is going first. Yes, I am. Um, briefly, I just wanted to say that I really took this opportunity to read a book about noir, which basically um, was this movement about like just dark, gritty detective crime stories, which I um, was looking forward to. And um, for this, I I read a book series that I was really familiar with, um, Raymond Chandler's character um philip marlowe who i'm very familiar with bogart's portrayal in the big sleep and i am a big fan of him um especially because in the movie he was just so cool he was suave he was <clears throat> cunning and i was like oh all right i'm gonna go start reading the books and um i turns out it works better performed than written because i've this is my third time trying to read through the books the long goodbye i i was not a fan of i, I could barely finish it i don't think i did finish it um, the second book was um, <clears throat> The Big Sleep, which also I didn't finish, which I was really disappointed with because I watched the movie. And the movie was famously cut up to make less sense because the studio wanted um, wanted to focus on fun, on the fun factor. So the plot, really complex, really confusing, didn't make any sense. So we just got a romance with Bogart and Lauren Bacall, which was really something. So I decided to um, <clears throat> give it a third shot because I really love this genre and I have confidence that... I may actually like it. And The High Window, it, it didn't do it for me. Um, really, just reading it, um, I couldn't really get a sense of what the character was like. He was trying to be a little bit cooler than he really was. And <clears throat> even though he was acting like a proto-James Bond, he didn't really have <clears throat> the charisma that I really was looking forward to in a character. Um, I mean, he did have his witty one-liners, his quips, but like... The mystery was just so dreadfully boring. And the way that um, he was like an anti-hero is that he may be a detective, but like he plays by his own rules. He picks and chooses who gets the justice. He sometimes falls into the traps of money. And that is evident here in this book. But um, really, it just wasn't something that really captivated me. The other book I read, um, Postman Always Rings Twice. Um, I'm just going to go over briefly because I don't really want to go into this. Because there wasn't really anything with the book that I can really discuss because it was very short. It was also about like, it took the gritty noir tropes and talked about like how someone got fooled into falling in love with a woman. And that woman turned out to be crazy. Um, it was something, I don't know. I, I read that book, but after closing it, I just didn't want to discuss it. So you went into this month wanting to read something that you weren't sure you were going to like. I kind of, <laughs> I mean, okay, I I, I just love the Norse subgenre, so um, I figured that I, I there got has me there. To, there has to be a good book out there somewhere in this genre. Yeah, that's, that's what you figured. Yep, and I've yet to find it. I love <laughs> neo noir, but um, so far, like just the regular noir from the nineteen forties and fifties isn't really cutting it for me. It's very pulpy very like one shot no continuity between each book so it makes it really easy to read but a lot of it is just a lot it just doesn't have much substance for me not really yeah. fun to um read 
in my opinion. Five out of ten, nothing that'll rock your socks off. I don't think we've ever done number ratings on this show before. Oh, yeah. That was our first number rating, everybody. You're witnessing history in the making. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you have any comments about this book that probably excites you and has having you pick up this book right now? It's it's just hard. It's it's hard for me to say that much because I'm not that familiar with noir in general. Like oh. I know what it is, obviously, but yeah. Yeah, oh. I'm sorry, bro. That's not uh, that's not doing anything for me. <laughs> <laughs> was I'm there sorry. like, was there anything really enticing within the book? I know you said it just wasn't your vibe, but like, was there something um, that kept you going? The humor, um, the dry humor, especially coming from the dialogue of Philip Marlowe himself. Um, I don't know. He's just funny. I, I don't have any specific examples because it's not like laugh out loud funny. I got to close this book because I'm laughing so hard. It's a knee slapper, but. It was like, huh. It happened. That was a joke. And I found it, it funny. It made, it made you breathe out of your nose a little bit. Made more like, hmm, that was funny in my head. Yeah. I mean, technically, if you're like reading in your voice, then you're technically, you have a voice in your head. So it's just like, haha, that was funny just in your head. So it's just all in there. <laughs> There's like, no physical form. <laughs> yeah, because whenever you're just reading a book, you're just you know sitting there. I don't think I've seen many people just like laugh at a book. Okay, in public. Okay, I well, have. <laughs> I I actually also have. You yeah. clearly okay. haven't. Well, found I have right Gavin, yeah. what are you? <laughs> I, I I personally have, but I haven't seen anybody else. Because well, Gavin, I think you're... the issue is that you're reading books like um, uh, the with the egg joke. What, what did he read? <laughs> Gulliver's Travel. Gulliver's Travels. Yeah, oh, I, I think that's your that issue. Riot. Yep. I uh, mean, I, la- I laughed. I mean, at I that laughed at the Hitchhiker's bit. Guide to the Galaxy when I, I, I physically guffawed. I audibly laughed and chuckled. Here, I was like, "Yeah, that's funny. That's cool." Next yeah. page. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. very funny. Wow. <laughs> Do you think the book is like a? worthwhile read if you got nothing better to do yeah I mean, it doesn't it doesn't sound no. like it honestly the movie's better but you know if you're into uh, 1940s wow classics, a movie that's better than a book I'm, it's a first ah, i mean i mean again like i said like the studio chopped this movie up because like mm-hmm. they were like no one's gonna pay attention to it so let's just focus on more of the jokes and more of the humor and more of the senseless plot and all the cool stuff rather than like a cohesive plot Roger right. Ebert even agreed, so. Was there, like, a driving theme, like, throughout the novel, or was it more broken up into, like, a little bit of this and a little bit of that? Greed is bad. Um, <laughs> I don't... It, it, it's pulpy. It's the general... Shocker. Yeah, it's the general... It's the tropes that you usually associate with more. Okay. What if you're not familiar with noir, so you don't associate any tropes with this is not a good introduction. <laughs> uh, right. I'm closing right. the book on this one and yep. passing it on to to me. Cheers. Yeah. So um, I decided to. I actually, when I was looking what I, into what I wanted to read for this month, I did not know that I was going to pick up The Stranger, but I've always wanted to read a bit of Albert Camus, the philosopher. And so he wrote The Stranger, um, which is kind of a novelization of his philosophy. 
um, which is called absurdism. Um, absurdism is kind of spelled out in this book, The Myth of Sisyphus, which is what I read uh, before I read The Stranger so I could have a better understanding of it going in. And <clears throat> basically, um, if you know what the actual Greek myth of Sisyphus is, that's kind of all you need to know about it. Uh, Camus believes that life is like um, Sisyphus's eternal punishment, which was that um, because he tried to cheat death, he was forced for all of eternity to push a boulder up a hill. And when it got to the top of the hill, it fell back down and he had to go push it back up again. Um, and uh, Camus basically views him as an absurd hero because it's in this action um, that he can find like f fulfillment because there is no actual fulfillment to be had in life itself. He basically is a nihilist, um, I would say, who believes mm. that fulfillment can be found in realizing that there is no fulfillment just out in the world. Um, when you don't aren't looking to a higher power or looking to the future with hope, you can instead just enjoy life moment to moment. Um, yeah. And so that kind of brings, brings me to The Stranger. <laughs> I just think of the Big Lebowski. <laughs> what? Oh, has anyone here seen the Big Lebowski? I've seen. Yeah, the I Big have. Lebowski. Okay, the Ben Nihilus, because of, like we believe in oh. Lebowski. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> they carry on. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, the stranger is about a man who is. Um, it's basically kind of Camus <clears throat> describing and obviously giving some events to uh, a man who he would probably say is a an, another absurdist hero. Um, the the man's name, I believe it's his last name, is uh, Mersal. Mersal. He's a French-Algerian. Um, and at the very beginning of the book, he learns that his mother died. Um, and at the funeral, he does not express grief. He... Um, when asked, he, he gets asked if he wants to view uh, his mom's his mother's body, and he says no. And when asked why, he says I don't know. <laughs> and then he and then he stands in front of the coffin and smokes and drinks coffee until it's time to leave. Um, and all he can do during the the funeral procession is talk about how unbearably hot it is. Hmm. Um. Yeah, and, and, you know, there's a lot, there's quite a bit that happens in the book, um, but it's written quite simply. Um, oh, man, my favorite. <laughs> the plot is, um, Marisol basically helps one of his friends, uh, I guess, I guess you could call him a friend. Uh, he helps, yeah, he helps someone, um, get revenge on his girlfriend who cheated on him, uh, the, the friend. And then he gets taken to court, and um, there's a series of events uh, in which his friend gets off, and then his friend gets into trouble with some 
Arab people, and then I'm saying a lot of them then. Uh, <laughs> and uh, basically, the the you could say the first part of the book ends with uh, Mersal shooting um, an Arab man who flashes him with a knife, um, and then after he shoots him, I believe it was in the chest, he shoots him four more times and does not tell the reader why, other than he was bothered by how hot it was. Um, and then part two of the book kind of goes on to talk about his uh, incarceration and, and time in prison and his trial. Um, and then the, the lead up to uh, what happens at the end, which it's such a short book. I kind of I just want to say it, but because um, I, 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 I won't. I won't. But... Um, uh, let's just say the end of the book is a kind of from an from a non-absurdist perspective, it's about as depressing as absurdism sounds. Um, but from the absurdist perspective, it's uh, almost I want to say hopeful, um, and there's kind of a moment of relief or or reprival. Um, I, I can explain what happens to anyone on the podcast or even online if they want to ask me. Just um, add our Twitter account. <laughs> yeah, add our Twitter account. But um, it, it's definitely interesting. Um, and where the anti-hero uh, mark comes on is uh, Mersal is, um, or Mus- Mersal, or however you say it, he is the main character of the novel and he tries to do some good things, but he's not, he doesn't have the um, morals of a classic hero, and he he basically is a I, w- I don't want to see a deconstruction, but he kind of flips the idea of his of a hero on his head. He's very apathetic. He doesn't show very much emotion. He doesn't have very many emotions. He just kind of lives moment to moment. He doesn't think that anybody should be able to judge him for what he thinks or does, um, and he just kind of lives. Uh, he just kind of vibes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so... <sighs> I did want to say something. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I specifically chose my book, so it contrasts completely with your book, because your protagonist sounds very charismatic and cool, and... No. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I know. He's... <laughs> It's so like basically the very opposite of what I was going for. Um, basically, my guy, I, I actually did not mean that as a joke, but like if I messed up, but my, my Philip Marlowe is supposed to be the opposite. Like he's supposed to be cool, suave, mm-hmm. and, you know, very likable because of just like how funny he is, like the witty remarks. I've said this a lot before, but he's also very attractive and that's how he gets by on a lot. And I'm assuming that he cares. Um, he may not care about is a mystery solving but at the same time um it, it's he cares enough I, he doesn't shoot somebody in the face and say oh man it was just really hot out um so yeah, yeah your character um the opposite these are two different kinds of anti-heroes yes um and i, I you know i don't think that <laughs> talking about the shooting i don't think that Camus is saying that uh it's okay to have well, the face shoot, 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 shoot people five times because it's hot. I think he's just trying to show um, the lack of meaning 
the the understanding that Marcel has he understands that there's a lack of meaning in the world, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah, no, it it is the complete opposite. Marisol is very much like kind of brooding and and uh, the the book is written very well. Um, It's not very plain because I'm getting like Ernest Hemingway vibes. Okay, so it's written very plainly, but one of the descriptions of the book that I um, found online said that basically it's a book that's written very plainly uh, but in reality it's super dense and full of meaning that you would have to dig i guess it is kind of Ernest Hemingway iceberg theory let's yeah, go iceberg theory, full of <laughs> full of meaning and and qualities that are written the worst possible way and 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 in the quote they say it would take a book at least the length of a novel to make a complete analysis of the meaning and form in the stranger uh yeah no i i i I suppose it is iceberg theory in that way yeah um if anybody doesn't know um i've got a very strong distaste for that um I, i i can't i don't vibe with it Listen, I'm very, I'm pretty live and let live myself, but I would say that Justin is wrong. Yes, so I agree. You can, you can have, you can have an opinion, uh, but Justin's opinion is incorrect. Okay. I, mean, I also did want to break up another point. Emma, were you about to say something? I, oh, that's well, yeah. Um, just real, real quick, uh, Pierce, with your uh, main yep. character there. Um, when I talk about my book. I think there's going to be a lot of comparing in that nature of kind of uh, apatheticness right. sort of deal. Yeah. Hero doesn't care. Yeah, but continue, Justin. Okay. Yeah. Basically, remember that book that we did not record at very first meeting. Um, St- uh, Stoic Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, mm-hmm. um, where it's just a collection of essays on being stoic. And I believe that Camus is like referencing one of the things that. Marcus Aurelius was talking about because there was an incident in the book uh, where it takes stoicism to its farthest logical extreme where um, one day there's there's this guy whose father dies and uh, Marcus Aurelius goes up to him and goes well, why aren't you sad? He was like eh, it was just another person um, mm-hmm. just keep on going so I, if you want a companion piece to The Stranger if you read Meditations by Marcus Aurelius plus it's better than any other self-help book out there trust me I What's would also, one? I would also say, um, you know, Albert Camus in general is really is uh, really quite excellent. Um, the I read the Myth of Sisyphus, Sisyphus first, and it actually took me the better part of the month to get through. Both of these books are just over a hundred pages long, but The Stranger hides its depth and and the meaning in in you know in a novel format. Um, the myth of Sisyphus does not, and so it's yeah. very dense just to get through and read. Is that an so, essay? Uh, it's um, I don't know what you would call. It. Uh, yeah, I guess it's a philosophical essay. I guess it must be a really long essay. Took you like the it's, better part of the month. It's well, I just said it's like a hundred. I think it's one hundred twenty. Um, How long was pages? The... How long was what? How long was the other book, The Stranger? It was like one hundred and ten. But the stranger took me like a couple days, like two days. Um, the myth of Sisyphus. Part of it was that um, I have ADHD, and so I would read a couple pages, and then I would start thinking about it, and then I would trail off. 
um, part of it was that it's very dense, so there was a lot to think about. So that uh, the ADHD didn't help. Um, <laughs> I did not know that um, audience. So hey, you learn something every day. Yeah, yeah. I really time like i was able to read this book in like a day mm. but i had to take a lot of breaks because of adhd because i was like now i'm hearing all the sounds i need to go do something yeah it takes me a while to read through a really short book i i guess that's just that's just me i don't know i <laughs> have i have a good i have a really good reading speed like 400 mm. something but mm-hmm. i don't have good reading stamina let's just say uh, that yeah. And if you wanted to know that, you can go follow the Twitter account because he always upsta- updates. Yeah, I, I I spend more time on the podcast Twitter account than I do on my personal account. I believe it. That's yeah. that's pretty much pretty accurate. Uh, anyway, I think that's pretty much all I need to say. Uh, I will say, Albert Camus. Um, his philosophy, even if you don't believe in it, even if you believe that there is meaning in life and in the world, it's still uh, something to read and something to examine. Um, um, yeah. Number rating? Number rating. Uh, I'd give it, like, the the strange... I would give The Myth of Sisyphus, like, um, a 9 out of 10, and uh, The Stranger, like, an 8. Point five, maybe a nine. Also, damn. I I liked it. I liked it. Even yeah, I don't agree with everything he says, and I I just it's written very eloquently, and I liked it. I enjoyed it. Kept you, yeah. Kept you thinking about eloquent people. Let's talk about Emma. Oh, pause game. Pause game. I gotta ask Pierce my question. (laughs) Ask, ask Pierce the question. Time out. Hey, Pierce, bro. Mm Real talk for a second. Right. Um, so the whole story, you're talking about how this dude is super apathetic going through life. I read the fourth chapter of the myth of Sisyphus, the fourth part. Uh-huh. Just the fourth chapter? Yeah, it was for an ethics class I took, uh, okay, but I did okay. read the fourth part, and I get the, I get the gist of that whole thing. Mm-hmm. But if he was so apathetic, right, mm-hmm. um, he was living through life, he had his own little spiel that he was going on. Um, when he shot the Arab dude, right, I read on the wiki it said that the first shot was lethal, and then he just inexplicably shot him four more times after yes. he was dead. Yeah. All right, so if he was so apathetic going through life, why do you think he popped the extra four off? <laughs> um, well, I think that's kind of the point, is that he, it's, he's not really do, like, he didn't really do it out of hate. It's not, it doesn't. The book doesn't explain that he's doing it because he hates the guy or because he's passionate about it. He does it because he's bothered by the heat or something. Um, And maybe also, uh, I just had this thought, maybe he also um, just came up with that as a reason because he knows that society at large expects him to have a reason to do that. Um, An unreliable narrator? He freaks out later in uh, the the second part of the book, towards the end, about how other people always um, judge him for his actions, and they shouldn't do that, and nobody should ever judge anyone else. Um, so maybe he's just coming up with that reason for you know later when people expect him to have one, or when the reader expects him to have one. 
Huh. I, I said uh, unreliable uh, narrator, which was like one of our other topics. Yes, yeah, it's possible. I don't, I don't know if that. I just came up with that. I just Make a that novel thought. about this book. <laughs> you could, you could. It. That's that's what that quote said. Word. Yeah, that's what just popped into my head when I was thinking about your story. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I just wanted to hear what your thought was. Okay, that was my question. You can okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. All right, All right Emma. All right. All uh, right, so I'm taking it away. Yeah, so as stated, and I'm going to put this back up. I read The Wasp Factory, and I just, I like the cover. It's got, like, two wasps and a skull with candles, which is... um the it's signifying frank our main character he sets up this altar and it's a whole ritualistic thing that he does um but right off the bat we meet frank he's 16 and this book is definitely a psychological type book um you know it battles the ideas of insanity insane stuff uh you know with his brother and his father um so it starts with him just talking he narrates the entire thing um and it's called this wasp factory like he made this wasp factory and it's really just um in the big loft that they have or their bunker he has this whole altar set up and he goes and he catches wasps when he wants to wants to ask the factory something and so he does this whole ritual with fire like definitely pyromaniac type vibes and it's this whole thing he um he has this dog skull um which signifies something that happened as a child um so his father has told him you know ever since this happened he was like three and that a dog bit him and mutilated him you know and so he grew up thinking he has this disability and he has to sit when he pees because you know of that mutilation and that's just what he was taught as a child. And so he has the dog skull and he puts candles in the eye sockets and he burns that while it's going. And he has different things that he has from like his older brother, Eric, who basically is the idea of insanity. And then he has like hair of his father's, which is the idea of, you know, control and power. Um, you know, those are big rivals, those themes there. And is this so book about a serial killer? Kind of, actually. Okay. Well, he's not a serial killer. He only kills three people, and that's okay, kind of that known. Makes it okay. And he talks about it right off the bat. Uh oh. Um, and it's older okay. Paul. And he killed him when he was eight and when he was five he killed their cousin Blythe um and then I think yeah and then when he was nine he killed his no and when he was nine he killed his younger cousin Esmeralda and this is where it connects to your um main character Pierce he doesn't really have a reason why he kind of just felt like they just didn't belong in the world and so he just kind of took him out and, you know, with Blythe, he had a missing leg. So he had a prosthetic and he found a snake in the park that they were at and he put it in the prosthetic. So when he woke up, he put it on, bit by the snake, dead, right? Yeah. So, Well, while she's lagging out, um, I just looked it up. And, and you know, well, he was like 
an a-hole. Also, that's one reason. He didn't feel bad about it, but he was um, very apathetic about out. these murders. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, and he did them so young. Time out. Time out. You lagged out a little bit there. Lagged out. Yeah. I just wanted to say, he does qualify as a serial killer because I looked this up. Three. Three. That's the minimum amount required to be considered oh a serial killer. So, yeah, but there wasn't any, well, there wasn't any pattern. Family. It was the through like several years in different blood relation. Damn. Well, and also, um, he killed them for the same reason. Sure. According to what you said. Well, um, kind of. So why he was just kind of like, you know, why not? <laughs> And then with his younger brother, Paul, he just felt like Paul doesn't need to be in the world. He didn't see any worth or value in his future. So he was like, I'll just take him out, right? And he actually has this theme of bombs. Uh, he really likes to blow things up. So he makes like these fake pipe bombs. And he told his brother that it was a bell and you had to hit it. Um, and he ran up the sand dune because he was like, do it and let's see if I can hear the bell. And then Pop goes so to he's the diesel, a, right? Sorry. I was and then, say, he's got a modus operandi or sorry. whatever, which is, you know, a legal term of like how they do something, which is a characteristic used for serial killers. Uh, well, with Blythe, he was five, and it was by a snake, you know, so they were like, man, whatever. But with Paul, the thing that happened with that is he had to play it off as it was an accident, and, like, he was super sad, and he wasn't. He was like, it, it just, you know, I did that thing. And so he would play it off for, like, a week or two and make it seem like, you know, he was upset about it so they didn't catch on, and then, you know, gacked his younger cousin Esmeralda. He only did that because he wanted a male-to-female balance. Um, but he still found that women were basically powerless and the weaker sex. That's a whole thing that he goes into. Um, and so he also faked it for, like, a week. Because the way that he got her is kind of insane. If you want to read it, I'll let you read it. I just, I kind of want people to read that part because it's, much more intricately described um it's it's not gory but still so So he plays so where does the hero part come in on this murderer as a villain protagonist (laughs) so he does this as a kid and it really alludes to his um apatheticness right um and then we start seeing that a he's kind of a drunk um his father i see see. yeah he just saved the world (laughs) his father his father is very much like not caring they kind of just do their own thing and um his brother eric escaped from like the mental institution he was in so that's kind of where this whole thing comes to play because eric starts calling on pay phones because saying like i'm here i'm gonna come and you know the stuff and he wants to see his brother but the thing is he has to keep this a secret like he he still wants to see his brother but police are searching for him so he can't say anything in that matter um so he is he's someone who claims to be sane through this and his brother is the insane one you know saying all this stuff and with the dialogue that happens it's based in scotland so um with the dialogue you see the more insane type stuff that happens on the opposite side of the phone, like how he's speaking. It's kind of crazy. 
Um, but it brings up the idea of he goes to this altar, he sacrifices wasps, he goes and he just kills rabbits just because he can, you know, with a slingshot. He just, mm. he does these things and it brings into like this insanity. Um, so I guess the hero part of this all is that he is trying to find his own self by also getting to his brother and making sense of everything. It's trying to, um, it's almost kind of trying to bring his father to justice in a way um, because his father is the one that kind of cast out um, Eric and let him go to this hospital. Mm. And so it's like, I want him to get by and there's this whole secret that his father is keeping from him that's like literally in mm. chapter 12 the last chapter is talked about <laughs> i mean it's it's sort of to the end it's not the ending of the book but it's kind of the big um big like plot twist whoa because it turns out that um you don't you don't have to tell yeah i don't think i i should but <laughs> it just it turns out you know what Frank knew was all a lie about himself. And oh. so there's a lot of these battling of these deals. And so I think the anti hero comes from like he tries to be his own person and find his own control by like he's controlling by killing people, by killing oh. these rabbits, by doing these rituals, by drinking all the time and doing what he wants. And you know, all that. Also, he doesn't technically exist. He has no birth records, no birth certificate. So his father mm. keeps him kind of like a secret person. So, like, if the police come, he just kind of has to, like, go to a different area on the island. They live on an island. <laughs> I, I, think that's, I think that's a really funny just thing to throw in there. Like, oh, yeah, and, you know, this is what this means. And, you know, he murdered this person. Oh, and by the way, he doesn't he technically exist. He's not legally exist. Where a lot of legal records, right? Which <laughs> is why a lot of that powerlessness comes into play. And I think part of his whole thing is, how do I take control over my reality? Um, wow. Yeah, and then in the end, last chapter, his brother yeah. shows up, and there's <laughs> fire, and it's this whole thing. Um, mm. And the the book ends on, I'm not going to explain how it ends, but it's kind of on a contentment. Like, you feel okay. like it, you also feel yeah. like how you can kind of think, where's the next book? <laughs> it's almost, thing. it's almost one of those books where like, it could end on its own, but you're kind of like, but I kind of want to see how his life pans out after this. Um, <laughs> Well, and so, at the, end of the stranger, I was not saying that because it's very clear. At the end of my book, I was like, "When does this end?" <laughs> well, it's like it's. it's oh very man, it's clear. finally over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's very clear how it's supposed to end. You know, he Frank finds what his reality is, and you know, his brother's back, and he gets to just be with his brother. Or again and the lies of his fawn so oh i am sorry <laughs> but um yeah it's sort of it's just 
it's it's a really good novel. I loved it. I read it in a whole day. You could probably read it in like six hours, five if you read really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It was very cool. There was a lot of like you know the ritual slash like um, superstition ideas and control, violence, and power. So Frank holds a lot of that violence, and he wants the control. And his father has a lot of control over his life. And you find out later, like, towards the end, and you're like, whoa, he really did control everything of who his being actually yeah. is. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, whoa. I hate to cut you off a little bit, but um, so, um, Bella has to go. To, uh, Bella has oh, to. Oh, wait, can I ask Emma a question? Oh, though? yeah. Ooh. Is that okay? Yeah. Do we have time? Yeah. Ask away. Okay. Yeah. okay. So I'm like a little bit confused. How does he like, how did the police never discover that he exists? If he like killed three people, like as a child, oh. like, is he just really good at covering up murders? Oh. Well, no, he, he played it off as like, it was an accident. Each one technically could be said as an accident, you yeah, know, like, cause there he are he just different things. The cause like someone died. Yeah, no, he talked, he existed, they had to lie and say he was, you know, Eric's cousin, he was his dad's nephew. Okay, gotcha. So, that's how that sort of went, and all the accidents were kind of like, oh yeah, this plane bopped off towards the thing. Anyway, yeah, so it does deal with the theme of sexism and gender roles, which is pretty, pretty interesting that comes towards the end there. But, um... Yeah, uh, the big thing, suffering should not lead to one becoming a villain. That is something I noticed. That's like the big thing. Anywho, the rating I'm going to give you on Goodreads, people did like 3.5 out of 4. I'm going to give it like a 4.9 out of 5, a 9 out of 10, 9.5 out of 10. That's my recommendation. You should definitely read the book. Okay. Yeah, Ian Banks, check him out. I want to read more books by him. I feel like I missed out on this month, didn't I? Yeah, well, everyone else was <laughs> reading about anti-heroes. Uh, well, maybe yeah. everyone else. Maybe yeah, Bella. I loved my book. <laughs> okay. Oh, well. Sorry, Justin. <laughs> okay, Justin, so, you just yeah. picked the wrong anti-hero. <laughs> um, I read The Picture of Dorian Gray um, by Oscar Wilde, and I've been meaning to read this book for a really long time, like I said. So it's kind of an anti-hero kind of a tragic hero but whatever it's same um, thing actually yeah yeah i that's what i read i heard that they're like essentially the same thing but like tragic heroes like usually end with like their demise and anti-heroes can use their like anti-hero qualities to achieve redemption what, so what i what i read when i was doing research for um the the topics for the poll i read that um anti-heroes can be a lot of things and tragic heroes kind of within the bubble of what anti-heroes are. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Basically, okay. if it was a Venn diagram, there would be some crossover. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Dorian Gray, the protagonist, is kind of both, I'd say. Um, essentially, like, the book is about literally a picture of Dorian Gray, um, hence the title, and mm-hmm. it opens with um, the one of the characters, his name is Basil, and he is a painter, and he's in the middle of painting an image of Dorian Gray. And Dorian essentially, like, represents, like, the ideal man of the time in that he's, like, gorgeous. Cab. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, you know, 
know Basil is painting this picture and he's painted a lot of pictures of Dorian before but this is like the best one that he's ever done and he's actually like scared to show it because um he thinks that it'll like show how he feels towards Dorian which Oscar Wilde the author was gay and this was released in 1890 I heard about you can go so, no, no, I heard about like how he snuck in homoerotic undertones in this book, which is like, oh yeah, like everywhere, like that's like one of like the main like underscoring themes, kind of, um, Ooh, which like you can like... read over it if you don't, because or, like whenever he first published this book, um, the publisher like the night before it was sent to be like print cut like five hundred pages from it, and like wow, the one that I read was like. 300 pages so apparently like so much of it has been cut throughout the years that people deemed like too risque Um, have they ever found like the lost pages i don't know i didn't look but possibly i don't know um but yeah this is like apparently very tamed down from the original version that oscar wilde intended to release but um despite basil basil's feelings he shows it to like this man named Lord Henry and Lord Henry thinks that it's like the best thing ever and that he has to release it and like show Dorian. And um, so Dorian and Lord Henry and Basil are all like hanging out together, looking at this painting. And then Lord Henry goes on like this whole spiel about how beauty fades and like youth is temporary. And um, basically Dorian like has like this like breakdown and he freaks out um about the fact that one day he's not going to be this like beautiful young man and he basically like sells his soul to the painting not in like there's actually a transaction but he says like to this painting of himself he's like wow i wish that like i would give my soul to remain beautiful forever and have like all of my aging show on the painting instead of on me and lord henry's like yeah that's like a really good idea like me too and so um nothing really becomes of it dorian gets this painting and um he sort of basil's like hey like i don't think lord henry's the best influence on you and dorian's like no it's fine it's fine but then it's like not fine and lord henry like leads him down this like horrible way of life um where dorian essentially just lives for pleasure and things that he thinks are enjoyable and he doesn't really care about anyone or anything anymore and he um shows this through like he falls in love with this um actress and her name is Sybil Vane and um he's sort of like the first sort of test of his of Dorian's new lifestyle in that like he almost stops living his life the way that lord henry has tried to convince him to live it for this woman but then she loves him so much that she's like i don't want to act anymore because like how can i pretend to love anyone or anything other than dorian and so she like quits acting but then dorian's like wait like i only loved you because of your acting and as he comes to this realization he's like um okay sorry i don't love you anymore and so um he's like really cruel about it and breaks her heart and then she kills herself and at this point yeah it's he like um <laughs> i promise that. not a spoiler um there's like a bunch of other stuff that happens this isn't like the first bit but um this is sort of like the point where he realizes like 
how he's been living his life and how poorly it is. And he goes home and he notices the painting that Basil had done of him is, um, like, warped. Like, his beautiful, like, smile or whatever is now just, like, this ugly, like, smirk. And um, he, like, looks the same as he did when the painting was done. And, like, throughout the years, like, he hasn't aged. Um, I'm not exactly sure how much time passes, but I know that, like, he remains youthful and beautiful despite all of the things that he's done and, like, the time that has passed. Um, and instead, he notices that, like, it's shown on the painting. And that's sort of, like, um, you can kind of see, like, how he's an antihero and that, like, he, at this moment, like, he would just be deemed, like, a complete villain if he didn't feel some remorse for the horrible things that he's done. Um, but once he realizes, like, how horrible this thing that he's done to Sybil is, he tries to, like, repent. Or, he doesn't even try, but he has this desire to do it. Um, and so you sort of see that he's, like, still human, but, like, he still cares more about his own pleasure and, like, opulent lifestyle than he does the consequences of his actions. And, um, he... Like I said, he has a desire to repent, but he never actually does it because Lord Henry convinces him that um, Sybil's death is just, like, an artistic triumph, um, which is this, like, horrible thing to convince oneself of. But um, he doesn't, like, view her death as anything horrible, which I completely forgot to mention, but, like, the idea of, like, art and the value of art is, like, a really present theme throughout the novel as well. Um, in the preface, it's actually just, like, a bunch of epigraphs, epigrams? I don't know. Um, I believe epigraphs, yeah, um, of, like, lines about, like, art and the value of art. And at the time that the novel was written, like, art was believed to need to be, like, moralistic. Is that a word? I don't think that's a word. But, like, have a moral value, um, and teach a a lesson. Yeah. That was, like, morally correct. And Oscar Wilde was, like, tried to argue that no like the point of art can just be to be beautiful which is sort of what he like in he was very um hypocritical which is also in dorian the protagonist was hypocritical but oscar wilde like tried to do things that were just like paradoxical like he tried to show that art didn't have to have meaning through the art that basil created but like in doing so like he was also showing like a meaning in it and it was it's a kind of confusing but basically (laughs) yeah the idea of like art and the way that it's viewed um is very present in the novel and yeah so that's how he sort of views sybil's death dorian is like well it's just art um and it adds to her legacy and things just get worse but i don't want to spoil it i mean i do want to spoil it but i'm not gonna spoil it it. it's so good though it gets just the urge yeah, so it's really good. Well, it was on my TBR, so I'll probably pick it up. <laughs> and it was also banned, right? I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Catch me next month. <laughs> the Watch Factory was banned. That yet, Justin. So. <laughs> Justin. <laughs> so much for not spoiling stuff, Justin. Oh, oh God! The I biggest spoiler that. The I became the thing. I swore to just. I became the hey, thing I sort of destroyed. The box. <laughs> what a hypocrite. This is the biggest spoiler on this podcast since we talked about how the Cold War ended. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, can I have a question real quick? Yes. Okay. Oh, okay, Bella. You can ask one um, question. 
you cut out. Yeah, really? You cut out a little bit. <laughs> you cut out during that entire okay. question part. Okay. Bella, what enticed you, like, throughout the book? What kept you, like, engaged within it? The homoerotic um, undertone. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, the writing style is, like, I think it's, like, um, very well written. And also just, like, you want to see what happens to Dorian, I guess, because you think that he's, like, this irredeemable character um, after, like, the first 50 pages. Like, at first, you really believe in him and you have a lot of faith in him because, like, you see him interacting with Basil before he goes off with Lord Henry and he seems like a very gentlemanly figure. Um, And then, like, as soon as he has, like, this bad influence um he quickly like just his character is turns horrible but you he does like i said he has these like irredeemable thoughts and like these reminders that he is human like he's not just this horrible beautiful villain um but he actually is like a person um who sometimes thinks of others a little bit um but Mm -hmm. mostly you just kind of want to see how it ends with the painting and like the ending is honestly the best part like it's so good and you just yeah you mostly the painting thing um besides his character you want to see how that all turns out so i know that the painting is a symbol and yeah 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 i I relate to that with my book it's like in the middle it just starts to build and you're like oh my gosh yeah (laughs) the end you're like oh it all comes together yeah not with my book (laughs) (laughs) with my book it's pretty much the same way the whole time yeah i mean it it, the express it's all expressing like life is pointless but that's all right that reminds me of that reminds me of blood meridian (laughs) no thank you (laughs) Listen. I think with mine, it was like the dialogue started getting a lot more intense between the brothers. <laughs> brothers, anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, it just started like building, and you were like, ooh, what's going to happen next? I think that was my thing. But I, I really want to read uh, your book, Bella. It sounds really exciting. Could we all or read enticing, book anyway. for next wow. month? <laughs> Already threw it on my TV. It's it's just a book club. (laughs) Just one book club. Yeah, no, we just became a book club. (laughs) Socratic Uh, circle method. Okay. So I guess that's about it. Yeah. Um, I spoiled it. I I guess I will announce announce who won the poll. Uh, it was uh, posthumous release, actually. Yes. Just kidding. No, just a spoiler. Yeah, no. It was. Yeah, no. I should have. Um, I've been checking. And uh, so before we go, I landslide, right? Uh, yeah. Hey, come on! You get to get yeah. the percentages. Okay, I will. I will give the percentages. I'm, I'm just gonna give the percentage that um, banned books had because. So it's no point. Really yeah. <laughs> if you want to uh, see the rest, go follow was, us on Twitter. It was 63% for banned books. 81 votes. Great turnout. 81 votes. Thank you to everybody who uh, voted. Turned out Hopefully to vote. We will get to 100 next month. Yes. 
Um, and I guess I guess before we go, just um, we'll ask you to go ahead and rate, uh, leave a review, or follow, or subscribe, or whatever it is on your on whatever you're listening to us on. Um, follow us on Twitter um, at not just any pod. Yep, that's where we post the polls every month, um, as well as uh, a bunch of memes about yep, each episode. You're welcome. I will I also just live tweet, sir. <laughs> I live tweeted a meme. Yeah, I went and saw that actually. I, I will also say uh, join us in what is it? Three awesome. weeks from now? September. Um, September whatever. September seventh, I think it I think it'll no. September fourteenth? Whenever September, it comes out. September fourteenth, we have a new episode of Bookends coming out, which Jess and I are going to talk about. Uh, tool. The entire discography. Uh, except, well, well, we'll briefly except cover the last, it, the last <laughs> album, but it's not, we, we're not, the focus isn't on that one. Yeah, I've got a bunch of memes saved up for that one, so <laughs> follow us on Twitter. Uh, of course you do. No. Yeah. All right. I also do have something to plug in. Um, okay. I was kind of featured on a podcast called Creep Shows. Um, you can follow them. I should have the Twitter up. I don't don't i um basically i i've seen every movie ever made and by doing so um another podcast was looking out for other um people that have seen a review so if you follow them at at creep show po- creep shows pod um you'll see um and if you actually listen to the podcast episode on um m 1931 and by the time this gets released hereditary whenever that came out you'll you'll see my review on their podcast yeah. so be sure to check that out and shout out shout out to them for including us uh, oh, by association really just- through justin, justin. Um, yeah. on their on their podcast yeah and um, be sure to um maybe perhaps later they can also cover my favorite movie goodbye prometheus is that a movie <laughs> No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Perfect. There it goes.